So if you're fighting God for control over every little aspect of your life, you don't have faith, you have fear. Hello and welcome back everybody to the third episode of Ascension to Depth. I just want to say thank you to everyone who has already subscribed and shared this channel to people and has gotten back with me and let me know that the show has either benefited them or somebody they know. Your support means the world to me and it is so good to hear that this show has benefited or blessed some people. And I encourage you, if you haven't already, by all means, please go subscribe to the channel and share it. What that does as well is it increases the chances of somebody who's not directly connected to us getting in touch with this channel and hopefully hearing something that they need to hear. But Thank you so much to everybody who has reached out and encouraged this show. Again, it means the world. If you missed last week, we talked about logic and emotions and how following your heart and following your brain isn't supposed to be a one-track thing. You're not supposed to lean on either one, and you need both when making crucial decisions in life, and you need both when charting the course of where you're going to go and and observing the decisions that you need to make not necessarily making those decisions but really understanding what decisions are in front of you but go back and listen to that episode if you haven't and by all means i hope it blesses you and touches your life today right alongside that topic we're going to be talking about confusion it's right in the middle of what the decision is and what we were talking about last week. It's it's right smack dab in the middle because sometimes you have all the decisions charted out in front of you and you have all the information you need and you're presented with this moment of confusion. And we're going to get into what confusion is in a second, but I want to start with some scripture going to Isaiah 55 and 9. The Bible says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's look at what confusion is. What I have found and I've experienced is that confusion isn't necessarily just not knowing something. It's it's not really fair to categorize it as that because being confused goes beyond the mere absence of information. For example, I don't know a lot about jellyfish, but I'm not very confused about jellyfish because I know everything I need to know. I don't know the complexities. I know that they live in water. I know that it, it stings you, it hurts. I know that they don't have a brain. And that's about it. I don't need to know all the complexities of a jellyfish to know that I don't know anything about jellyfishes, but I don't spend time thinking about them. And so therefore I'm not really confused by them. I just don't know something. And it's very different to being confused because when you're confused, you have all the information that you need. You have all the information that you think you need at least, and you don't know how to use it you don't know how to process it or you don't know what to do with the information you have or you've done everything you know how to do and things are just not panning out the way you thought it was going to pan out and nothing seems to be working so confusion to me goes beyond just not knowing something really it's knowing enough to know that something isn't right it's knowing enough to know that the course is not going as planned or knowing enough that the course you've put in front of you is going to have some snags and you need to figure out what you need to do before you even set on this course, before you even make the decision, what are you going to do differently than the errors that you already see? 
but confusion is that point right in the middle where you have the information and you just don't know how to use it. And this is a very common place when living for God. It's many times in our lives that we find ourselves in a place where we think we're doing everything right, but getting the wrong results. And sometimes we're living for God and we find ourselves confused when we don't see the results that we intended to see. Many times we come to God with preconceived notions as to what living for God should look like, or we do things to get an intended result. Uh, most popular being praying and fasting. A lot, a lot of times we try to pray and fast with an intended result at the end, like it's a contract in the sense that like we expect God to operate in a certain way just because we've prayed and fasted. And that's not the correct way to look at praying and fasting. And we're going to get into that in a whole nother episode. But in short, praying and fasting is supposed to subjugate your flesh so that the spirit can move freely. Not your will being done because you prayed and fasted, but rather the will of God being done through you without hindrance from flesh. And again, we're going to get into that in a whole nother episode, but moving forward, confusion often follows people who have already decided what the future is going to look like. If you get so set on what you believe the future to be, you're going to find out really quickly that God doesn't operate on your timetables or by your plans. The Bible says, again, that his ways are higher than ours, so we can't expect him to be bound by our plans. And I'm going to probably mention that again coming up and explaining that a little more thoroughly, but don't bind God. Don't put God in a box just because you can't understand what he's doing. And we need to learn how to be moldable. And not moldable like sand, not moldable like something that can just be washed away. Like we've all built sandcastles probably. And as soon as a wave comes in, it kind of takes it out. And you have to be very careful where you build that sandcastle because anything, whether it be wind, somebody passing by or a wave, anything can just kind of knock it over. So we're not supposed to be moldable like sand. Rather, we're supposed to be moldable like clay. Jeremiah illustrates this perfectly that we are clay in the hands of a potter. God is the master potter, and we're supposed to be moldable enough to where that he can use us and transform us into what he needs us to be rather than us trying to force his hand. You know, clay holds its shape. You know, you should be solid, set on what God has intended you to be. But if God comes and decides to mold you in a different way, don't hold your shape so hard that you don't allow God to move in your life anymore. So when you become like clay, you understand that whatever comes your way, whether it's good or bad, is by the grace of God. Any situation that you have in your life is by the grace of God. When you're confused, when you, when you have these opportunities to see God's grace. Make sure that, that you don't try and get so much control over something that God can't use you. God can't mold you in what he needs you to be. It's one of the many reasons I love the story of Job, because we see somebody who takes on this moldableness, somebody who adapts to the, to the things in life that go wrong, but yet keeps God where God ought to be. And it's not to say that he doesn't have human moments. And we're, we're going to go through it really quickly. 
in a way, Job has the story of a tragic hero. And uh, other examples of a tragic hero would be Hercules or Odysseus, you know, somebody who is stripped down of, you know, everything. And they are taken into a dark, dark place. But they're still the tragic hero. They still end up coming out on top. And with Job, he starts with what some estimate to be a net worth of about $56 million today. And God allows for his children to be killed, his livelihood to be squandered, his health to deteriorate, and his friends and wife to turn against him. So Job is stripped down to nothing but his life and his faith, doing nothing but honoring God with his life. And so when all this happens, we see Job have a very human moment. Because in Job... 10 verses 3 through 7, we see a very confused Job. And we see moments like this throughout his story, but I want to highlight these. Job 10 verse 3 through 7. This is Job talking to God. Is it good unto thee that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thine hands, and shine upon the counsel of the wicked? Hast thou eyes of flesh, or seest thou as a man seeth? Are thy days as the days of man? Are thy years as man's days, that thou inquirest after mine iniquity, and searchest after my sin? Thou knowest that I am not wicked. He's calling out to God here, like, you know I'm not a bad man. Thou knowest that I am not wicked, and there is none that can deliver out of thine hand. Job is calling out to God, saying, you know I'm, you know I'm not wicked. So why are you allowing this? He's calling out to God in confusion, in despair. You know I'm not wicked. How many times have we been in places like that? Like, God, I'm doing what I believe to be your will. I'm doing what I believe to be your ministry. And yet these things are happening to me. And I think it's very important in the story here because I think doubt, which I'm sure I'll get into later on in another episode, but I think doubt and confusion are given such a bad rap because we assume that doubt and confusions are failings. Doubt and questions don't have anything wrong. They're not, they're not wrong to have, but what you do with them is what is important. What you do with those questions, what you do with that doubt, where you are with that doubt is what defines you. Doubt and confusion, when channeled properly, can breed clarity and strength of will and sometimes even faith. You can grow your faith in times of confusion. Doubt and confusion are necessary to have faith. Or if you don't have doubt and confusion, you don't have faith. You just have a mere belief. If I said that I believe that this is a microphone, it doesn't take faith to know it's a microphone. But if I couldn't see it, if I couldn't understand it, if if there was something draped over it and I just had to believe that there was a microphone under whatever draping there was, that, that takes a level of faith. But in almost all cases, confusion is a chance to grow. And in the midst of confusion, you can decide that you will be better than you were. You can decide that I won't settle for this feeling of confusion. I'm not going to settle into this because when you settle into confusion, when you allow it to overtake you, a lot of times it leads to despair. And so when you don't know something, when you don't know where to go, it leads you into this place of anxiety. And then you feel like you're automatically going to fail because you don't know where you're going to go. And don't think that just because you're confused, you're lost or you're in the wrong. There isn't any shame in being confused. You just need to know what to do 
when you are. And you can decide before you even see the end, before you even see the end of the tunnel that will turn you from where you are and, and show you the path, before you even see the light, you can decide that you are going to trust God and that you will stay under the hand of God regardless of how you got to the state of confusion that you're in. You can decide what to do going forward. For example, watch Job in Job 23. So this is moving on past these hum very human moments, very, very real moments of confusion. Job says in Job 23 and verse 8 through 10, he says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him, but he knoweth. This is after recognizing that he doesn't know where in the world God is. He says, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job is still not out of his storm. Job is not at the, at the point where he can rejoice yet. He's not at the end of the road and everything's fixed. All he knows is that he can't see God. All he knows is that he has no idea what God is doing in his life. But he is certain as well that when he gets out of this, it will be by God's hand because it's God's hand that allows this into his life. And he recognizes that and he says, he knows the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job is sick, sad and confused, but his proclamation is that when this is over, I'm coming out better than I was. And then we see the fruition of this in Job 42 and 10. It says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Keep in mind, all God really needed to do was turn his captivity. God doesn't need to bless Job. God can get him out of the circumstance that he's in. He could have left him in there. He could have just taken Job out. He could have just allowed Job to die and bring him into heaven, but he turns the captivity of Job. But also, he gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job stays the course and does not curse God and actually ends up repenting. If you go back and, and do a quick study on it, he actually ends up repenting for speaking foolishly in some moments, as we all would. Keep in mind that he's not absent from these human emotions, this human frustrations that you and I also have. And that's why I say it's not a bad thing to have these things because they're human. But what we do with them is what's important. God blesses him and God will bless you if you can stay the course. So it begs the question, how do we do what Job did? Because while God is a God of deliverance, there is some work on our part that's required. To me, confusion is cured by two things. One, by faith, and two, analysis. So first things first, you need to remember who God is and who you are. Going, going back to the verse we started with, God is higher than us. His will, his thinking, his actions are higher than us. So don't expect yourself to comprehend God's will all the time. Don't expect yourself to completely understand what God is putting you through or what God is allowing you to be. Be confused, yes. Be frustrated, yes. But understand your place. The beginning of getting out of it is understanding that I'm here by God's will alone. 
whether it's because I messed up and I'm facing a consequence of something that I shouldn't have done or I acted too rashly or God is just allowing something into my life. I'm here because of God's hand. I'm here because God has allowed me to be here. And so your job isn't to try and control the hand of God. Your job is to make sure that you're where he needs you to be. Even if it's you getting back under his hand, getting back into alignment with God, you would be way better off getting yourself back into his grace, back into under his shadow, back under his will, than trying to figure out everything on your own because you can't comprehend everything that he's allowing you to go through, or at least the reasoning behind it. So if you're fighting God for control over every little aspect of your life, you don't have faith, you have fear. And so you need faith to get out of this place of confusion and fear is one of the things that stops you. Even if that fear stems from pride, the fact of the matter is is that a lot of us are scared to let go and trust God like we say we do. We say all the time, I trust God, I have faith, and we allow God the control in things that we are okay relinquishing control but the things that we really want to control we have a hard time giving to god and as soon as god does something in those moments where we don't like it or he allows us to reap the consequences of our control then we're like oh god has abandoned me or 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 god has left me and i'm going through all these struggles but it's our need for control and the fighting off of confusion that has put us in these situations. But to have faith means that you're going to have to let God take the reins and trust his will over your own. So again, you have to recognize who you are and recognize who your God is. Your God is powerful. God is all powerful. You have such a great God in your corner and he's just waiting for you to just give him the reins and he's a way better navigator than you are of these of these times that he's allowed you to go through even if you're there off of your own accord you can just hand the reins to god and be like god you take care of this i i i can't do this and so examine your situation and this is where we get into analysis you're going to have to analyze yourself you're going to have to potentially allow an unflattering light to to shine on you and you have to ask yourself some hard questions. Are you here because you're on the way to something greater? Are you in the middle of a trial? Are you in the middle of a consequence? Are you confused because you don't have enough information? Are you confused because you're trying too hard to control a situation like we just talked about? It's going to take some honesty and for you to really examine yourself and your situation. And what's helped me, it's a strategy that I developed when I was in middle school, what helped me was writing out a play, a list of characters, even dialogue sometimes, and having a setting. I have three scenes, past, present, and future. And for the past scene, I look at who I was and what I've done and see how it's led me to the moment I'm in. And then I look at the things I've done, the things I've said, the places I've been, the people I've been with. I look at those things to see how much of my past has led to this exact moment of confusion. And what that does is it highlights the things that are mendable, the things that are not changeable, 
And I'm not saying that you should waste time trying to change the past. The past is the past. It already happened. But mending the past sometimes, whether it be your mistakes or someone else's, could be the first step into moving into the future that God has for you. And sometimes you have to forgive people who haven't apologized. Sometimes you have to find closure with some things that have long been over or accept things that you refuse to reconcile with. And after you've done that, writing the scene of the past just highlights where you are in the present. And then for the present scene, it's very easy. What I do is I look at where I'm at. I map out what's going right, what's going wrong, what needs improvement. Am I proud of who I am? Are the people that I want proud of me proud of me? Would they be proud of me if they saw me right now? Asking yourself whether or not your will is lining up with God's is also a very important step in this process as well. Asking yourself if you're giving up on things that you set out to do a long time ago. Maybe pick up some of those. Where have you failed and where have you succeeded up to this point? That's, that's what the present scene is about. And then for the future scene, I write out the story of where I want to go. Down to the detail. I do my best to see where I want to be and how I want to be when I'm there, and I write it out. And then in the play, I write myself accomplishing those things. I, I write myself going through the process of getting to those things as well. I show within the writing, not only me accomplishing the things God has put in my life to accomplish, but also going through the process. And I know that that kind of sounds like manifesting, but I, I don't expect these things to just happen, which is important. I'm not just writing things down on a piece of paper, wishing upon a star, and then just hoping it happens. What I do in this situation is just writing out a strategy. And what it does is it makes me reconcile, it makes me realize, reorganize, and reevaluate everything right and wrong up to this point, and going forward, it gives me a rough draft of that course that I need to take. In doing this, I also have to accept that the draft is likely to change. And what I have found is that if you can do that and accept the fact that your will does not trump God's, and then you recognize who God is and you analyze yourself and your situation and you rekindle your faith, then confusion just starts to dissipate. Because now you have the path forward and now you recognize God's hand and now you know where you need to let go of control and where you need to take control and where you need to tighten up on some things and loosen loosen the grip on some others you understand who you are where you are and where you're going and then you're ready to make that decision and I think we're going to talk about decisions themselves but after you have dissipated your confusion maybe not eradicated it and made it go away completely but at least dissipated it to where you can see through the fog then you're ready to make a decision then you're in the place where God can move you forward because you've rekindled your faith and you've recognized where you are and you recognize where you are in accordance to him in accordance to where you're trying to go. And then as you move forward, you're going to find God more easily moving through you and guiding you as well because you're no longer relying on your own will. You're relying on God to guide you. And you'd be a lot less confused a lot less often if you just rely on God more often. He is the wisdom of the ages. He created the universe and he knows the beginning from the end. He's in all time and space and there's really nothing that you can do that could outmaneuver or go better than just following the will of God. But I hope that this 
episode has been beneficial for you. I hope that you've been encouraged and that you've enriched your faith in this episode. Share this with somebody who you think that they could benefit. Let's all continue to spread God's word and just be the light that he tells us to be. God bless you and Godspeed.